Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold podcast. Chris and Alan will be sharing unique and raw insight on what it takes to succeed. Both hosts are authors and businessmen and have been mentoring and consulting for their clients for over 50 years with their combined knowledge. So without further ado, we have an exciting show for you today. Let's get started. Hi, it's Christopher Cumbie, Think Bold, Be Bold. My awesome co-host, Alan Witch, is with me. Alan, how are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? Yeah, I'm fantastic. You know, it's warming up uh, on the Gulf Coast here in Florida. And, uh, well, it never gets really that cold either way. But I know uh, the true north where I'm from in Toronto is getting inundated, inundated with snow right now. So I can't be any happier to tell you the truth, uh, you know, where I am. And uh, I just did a great live stream on uh, the beach and you know I always like to rub it in a little bit uh, calling shots out and, and, and today's guest I mean I'm really excited to have him first of all take some time out and, and be part of our Think Bold Be Bold team and, and really bring some wisdom so like always folks get your journals out because it's going to be jam-packed with information that's going to help you with your business your career and quite frankly the personal development aspect <laughs> and uh, we're, and uh, our guest is just showing me that he has his journal, so we're, we're doing a little chuckle behind the scenes. So, Alan, you know, you always get the unique pleasure to introduce our guest, plus you know how to pronounce his name now. So let's, uh, let's get right into it. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Chris. You're such a nice guy. I appreciate that. Of course. Uh, great intro. And I'm going to piggyback on, on uh, what you said there about, uh, you know, the, the caliber and uh, history and the character of the guests that we've had on. And um, we're very honored to be able to attract people. And today's guest is by uh, no exception. Um, this gentleman has been in, in an interesting uh, endeavor uh, his career, uh, the career of sales. And I know when a lot of people hear that word sales, uh, even if they're in a sales environment, even if they're in an entrepreneur environment, if they've changed from a uh, position of employee to employer or position of employee to entrepreneur, whatever the case may be, sales is a big piece of that. And there is a big misnomer, I believe, in the marketplace that talks about what sales is. What does it really mean? And that picture that pops up in the minds of people I think oftentimes is scary, and uh, I'm excited to hear what uh, what our guest has to say today. Uh, like I said, he's been in sales, uh, I think, most of his life, and uh, an incredible success story, uh, books and speaking engagements all over the country, uh, clients from one end to the other, and uh, I'm really excited. So without further ado, and I keep saying this, I wish we had a little uh, a little fan club that would give you a little role, kind of like the Ellen Show, but we don't have that. So we'll pretend that we have that. But today's guest, uh, Anthony Anarino, is in the house. Anthony, welcome to the uh, Think Bold podcast show. Thanks for having me here, and you did a perfect job with the name. I know, right? I was, I was worried. I was worried. I kept telling Chris that this is the way you say it, and he wouldn't believe me. I don't understand. Oh, here's the pot shots. Here's the pot shots already happening. <laughs> you know, when you get guys like us on the uh, line, uh, you know, it's, it, it's bound to happen. And uh, I think it's all fun because, you know, you have to take them just as much as you can give them. And uh, we're certainly uh, really excited to have Anthony in the house. And, 
you know, since um, he was actually introduced to us, uh, you know, I, I've been doing some research and looking uh, at all the things, uh, you know, he represents. And near and dear to my heart is, you know, the world of sales and, and being, um, you know, that giver and that server uh, of, uh, you know, products and services. And better yet, helping people with the bottom line. Because, listen, no one else has a job in any company unless the guy on the front line is doing his job well. And, you know, that takes uh, learning how to you know, serve and how to go out there and represent. And we've got, you know, this expert, this genius today that's going to explain uh, some things that will definitely help you with either A, your business, B, your career, or if you're not in either of those two things, uh, maybe some ideas on how you can take his information and again, go out there and create some things in your life especially from a personal development. We're all of the belief that personal development, you know, definitely uh, is so important to life and your business. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see what Anthony has to say. Anthony, welcome again. And uh, we're really excited to hear uh, your story, your journey. But like anybody that we get on the show, we always like to know where you started and, you know, what your journey looked like along the way and where you are now. And most importantly, uh, which is really exciting, your vision and, and where you're going with things. So you're, uh, you're up, sir. Thank you. Where I started, that's kind of broad, isn't it? How far do you want me to go back? Do you want me to go to uh, October 5th, 67? Sure. sure. I mean, it, it, it's <laughs> a, a long story in there somewhere. Sounds like an important day. I'm going to write that one down. How yeah, it was that? a long time ago. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's interesting because I, I do what I do, but I would have never... I mean, as a, as a young person, I would have never in a million years imagined even thinking about sales or selling or anything like that. I started out um, a single mom raising four kids. I'm the oldest and uh, poor, not knowing we were poor, but happy. So a street kid out from the time the sun came up until the sun came down, working full time at 13, hustling. But I found a way out of that, and I, I found the career that I really wanted when I was about 13 or 14, and then when I was 17, I really pursued that, which was a hair metal band. I mean, that, that's what I, I'm still supposed to be doing, <laughs> and that should still be my calling. I still want to do that work. I love it. And I still occasionally get together and play with some guys. So, I mean, that, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But, you know, you do something like that, and then life throws a different turn your direction. So I was in Los Angeles fronting a, a band. I had a grand mal seizure when I was 25, walking up the steps to my Brentwood apartment, and I was diagnosed with something called an arterial venous malformation, which is just a, a doctor couldn't just say a, a group of arteries and veins that grew into a giant knot. So they have to have a more technical term. Sure. So they can charge $80,000 <laughs> to uh, open your head open and cut that out, along with a piece of the brain that was bruised and damaged from from having the AVM swell and push against the brain. When that happened, I had to move back to Columbus, Ohio. Uh, the best surgeon for that happened to be in Cincinnati, which isn't too far from where I live. But no one told me when I had the surgery I wasn't going to be allowed to drive for a couple years. So I had been selling. I was forced into sales by uh, a manager in Los Angeles. But then when I got back to Columbus, I had to work. So I ended up going back into the family business and selling and then leading a sales force and then growing a $45 million business you know, with just a few salespeople. And what I learned when I started selling originally in, in, in Los Angeles, I think is the message probably, if I had to share something with your audience. And I, I learned 
Well, when I had a manager come to me and say, I want you to go into full-time outside sales, what I heard him say was, I want you to become a psychopathic axe murderer and go on a killing spree in the greater Los Angeles area, which was my territory. I mean, it just, I, it's so difficult to put on that mantle when all the experiences you've had have been car salespeople, you know, who are totally self-oriented and smarmy and, you know, not good at what they do, mostly. And... uh but under my manager's tutelage, I found out selling isn't something that you do to somebody. It's something that you do for somebody and with somebody. And it means that you are somebody who comes in and creates value and creates opportunity where there wasn't any. And once I learned that and I started having the experience of going out and actually helping people get better results, I realized that, that that's what selling really is. It's helping people that can't get a certain result without you get that result. And they're willing to pay for that. So it's an exchange of value. And I know you've had Bob Berg on, and he talks about the, the compensation and value and, and go-giver. But that's what I learned. And then once I learned that that's really what it was, it was very easy for me to put that mantle on. So we have all these preconceived ideas about selling and what we're doing to people and how difficult it is. And really, everybody that gets past the first part of it ends up loving what they do. And they'll say something to you like, I love it. When I'm, all I have to do, if I'm in front of the customer, I'm great. That's where I'm comfortable. So the part they don't like is what Alan works on. They don't like the prospecting part. Right. They don't like interrupting people, and they don't like that first ask because in their mind and in their body, they have this feeling like, I didn't create enough value to deserve to ask for what I'm asking for. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell them, and Alan has to tell them, if you have the idea that's valuable, then you have the right to interrupt and exchange that value for that meeting. And then once they're past the prospecting part, they're off to the races. There's still some people who, and, and especially younger people now, who are petrified of the ask in general. They don't want to ask for anything because they're afraid. But if you, if you earn the right to ask, you, you ask. And that, that's the part when you're trying to help people, you have to interrupt them. I sometimes use the metaphor of drowning to, to talk about this. You know, somebody's drowning and you can save them. You don't want to wait and get their permission to see if it's okay to help them. I mean, they're drowning. You mm-hmm. swim out and you try to help them. You don't say, hey, listen, I don't want to interrupt you while you're drowning right now. You look like you're, you're, you're doing okay by yourself. You know, you, you got to go and interrupt people. And that, that's what we do because we're value creators. So th- that's probably the starting point for our conversation today around sales if you think that works for you. But that's really, I think it's about serving. It's about creating value. And it's about having the courage to ask for what you need. I agree. And, you know, that interruption, um, you know, is something that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. And in fact, you know, when I think back in my career and, you know, being in sales, uh, you sort of tipped out toe around things. But you you learn over time, at least I did, that um, that's my job. Uh, my job is to interrupt, to make sure that, you know, there's a reason, obviously, to interrupt because you have to have one. You don't just call people out of the blue and, you know, interrupt them. Uh, but with a reason, as you mentioned, with value. And uh, when you have that in your head, you know, I never, uh, ever um, apologize for, you know, calling people <laughs> and getting them off guard because most of the time people are busy and they are going to be caught off guard when you call them. So learning to deal with that and, and making sure that, uh, again, like you said, that first part of prospecting is always, 
you know, in most people's mind, the painful side. But if you can actually turn it around and, and think about it from, a, you know, a, again, a creative side and get excited about it, it changes the whole game. And that's what I learned to do when I was prospecting. So thanks for bringing that up. And I think it's a great point today. And it's definitely uh, something that I, I, I do want to focus on most of the show around this interruption thing and, and the value that you're bringing people as a salesperson. So thanks uh, thanks for opening up that way. Now, just before Alan, because I know he's itching and uh, chomping at the bit to ask you a couple of other questions. In terms of where you're going right now in your career and the things that you've learned, um, Anthony, What's the vision for you knowing that, hey, you've had great success, you've had a lot of things happening to you, happen to you over your career, uh, things that have you know, set you back in some way and then, you know, you, or, or I like what, uh, you know, our friend Greg Hegg says, uh, it just, you know, again, I, I, I had to reinvent or repurpose and uh, I had to get back out there and, and do things. Um, where are you going with some of the things you've got going on? Because I know you've written books and, and you've got a lot of exciting uh, speaking engagements and things. What's something that you can share with people uh, that, you know, taking your excellence and, and um, the things that you've created from a successful standpoint and what are some of the desires and dreams that, you know, you have so that people can see that you're still dreaming and you're still thinking big because that's important as well. Yeah, you know, right now for me, the the main focus of uh, 2016 for me is going to be around my first book launch, and uh, that that book has still yet to be titled. I have a, a title, I just can't tell you what it is because we're we're still discussing that. Sure. But that that first book is going to come out in October 11th, so everything's going to be around launching that book awesome. and uh, and and getting that into the world. At the same time, I'm going to do a uh, uh, an offering for people who need coaching but can't afford. To, to have someone like me coach them individually. So I'm putting together an offering for that. Those Excellent. are two of my biggest priorities for this year. But in, in the way of a goal or a vision, I mean, I look at people. Um, I mean, I started writing the blog every day six years ago because of what I saw Seth Godin doing. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and so Seth Godin to me is a role model. Sure. And then I, I look at people like Brian Tracy, who I've, I've had the pleasure of interviewing a couple times for my podcast. Brian Tracy is a role model, and uh, I I want to do yeah I want to do what they do, and I want to have that kind of a career where it's about creating value and helping people take certain steps. So basically, I've got about five books mapped out, and when you write, you know, when you when you write every single day for for six years, including a, a newsletter on Sunday, so that's eight big pieces of content a week. You start to accumulate a lot. Sure. And I've been I've been writing these ideas and exploring them and sharing them, but I've got a big map of uh, of book one, two, three, four, and five that I think I, I've actually laid them out in this order because I think it's the order that people need them in. So the first book is really about it's about two things. It's about who do you have to be to succeed in sales, and the second half is what do you need to know how to do effectively to succeed in sales. And and the first half comes before the second half for a reason, and that is you have to be somebody worth following. You have to be somebody worth buying from. You have to have a certain set of attributes and a certain character that makes makes selling the right thing for you to do. And that's the part that we think it's all just about skills and that someone's natural ability, but it's not true anymore. You can learn to do these things, and you can learn to develop the kind of character that makes you somebody worth doing business with. Um, that's the first book. The second book which we've, I've agreed to with the publisher, is a book on 
commitment gaining. So it, it's a closing book that won't be for dummies or idiots. Uh, and it, it won't have the Ben Franklin clothes or the puppy dog clothes or the either or clothes. Right. Uh, because we, we just live in a time in B2B sales where your customers are sophisticated and they're grown-ups and you have to treat them uh, like a collaborator and, and work a little bit harder to gain the commitments that you need. I love it, and, and it is the new sales, and I love it. So your blog is thesalesblog.com, and, and uh, I love the title, and good on you for um, you know doing that and, and sharing that information over time, and I agree. You, you've got a ton of content already and so many things that you can help people. So listening uh, in, everyone, thesalesblog.com will definitely get you started, and uh, you know Anthony's got a, it sounds like, a great course coming and, and some fantastic books. Alan, take us away. Boy, I tell you, I just want to listen. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. <clears throat> no, and I think you did. You want to say anything more about the other books in the series? No, I want to keep them okay. secret. This is the it. gradual okay, reveal. Cool. I'm just unbuttoning like the top shirt button for you, Alan. <laughs> wow! And look no, at that. No, do that again if you would. That'd be and, great. And, and no more. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think what you what you you hit on a couple of really good points about. Uh, well, a lot of really good points, but I want to I want to focus on a couple of those and talking about uh, confidence and confidence in being able to do um, not to do the marketing and offering value and asking for the service when you know you've got a great uh, product or or great value to be an offer, but it's the look internally to know that you're worthy of being uh, of asking that. And I guess that would be a, that, that, a question that I think a lot of our listeners would like to know is how do you make that switch, if it's a switch, if it's a, actually a light switch that goes from, I didn't grow up in this, I don't really know if I'm worthy, if I know enough to be able to add value to this customer, Do I have, is it a confidence thing for me, is it the fact that I'm not educated enough? What's that one or two things that's going to make me more confident in being able to represent the company, product, or service to the client? I, I love the question, and it's really interesting because I grew up in an environment where I now know that almost everyone around me had a very small vision of themselves. I mean, and, and, and that's what the world imposes on you is that you're not big enough, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you don't have the right car, you don't have the right hair. You, you don't have the right education. You don't have the right network, all these things. And so you, you I mean, if you look at what I wrote yesterday about have-nots, I mean, it's just, you, you've been told you're a have-not. You're one of the 99 percenters. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not one of the anointed few. And it's just not true. And the thing that I would challenge somebody who's listening that has this problem with the confidence is if I were to sit in a room with you individually and coach you, and I, I would ask you the question, tell me about a time where you had adversity and you did not know the answer, but you had to draw on your creativity and your imagination and your resourcefulness to come up with an answer. You'd come up with all kinds of stories about where you were faced with the situation mm-hmm. and what you did. And you had confidence to figure it out at that time. And a lot of what we do in selling is about helping people figure something out. And you just have to trust, no matter who your company is, no matter what it is that you sell, that you're going to be able to deliver because a lot of the value proposition, and I would say now most of the value proposition, do I know you, do I like you, do I trust you, Mm -hmm. 
And then do you know and like and trust yourself enough to be confident enough to help me figure it out and be resourceful? But if you were to sit down and make a list of all the times that you were faced with adversity and succeeded, you would be overwhelmed by the great successes that you've had dealing with the, the human stuff that we all deal with. And, and you have to, t- to look at that and remind yourself. And we'll go back to Brian Tracy. I talk about him a lot because in The Psychology of Sales, he says, uh, the audiobook. He says, look in the mirror and say, I like myself. I like myself. I like myself. And the first time I heard him say that, I'm like, this is the voice of a madman. I mean, <laughs> what kind of a person looks in the mirror and says that <laughs> to themselves? And then it dawned on me that the uncomfortable part that you feel when somebody tells you to do that is you not loving yourself enough and not trusting yourself mm-hmm. enough. And so True. that exercise, if that, if that makes you feel uncomfortable, embrace that discomfort and say, maybe there, I have work to do here on how I feel about myself. But the confidence is trusting yourself enough to go in and, and, and just give yourself over to helping somebody with that. And you will find a way and you will figure it out. Perfect. You know, and I think everybody can benefit from that. Even if you're not an entrepreneur and you're listening to this podcast, you're just trying to figure out a way to make your your position at work a little bit better, uh, to make yourself a little bit more known, to make yourself in a position where you might be able to excel a little bit more than the person in the cubicle next to you. I think what you're talking about is just absolute gold. And I think most people, you're right, are not told that they're probably worthy because uh, the society around us doesn't want us to increase. Our friends don't want us to increase because it changes their life when we move ahead. So I think those are all great points, Anthony. Thanks for being um, uh, transparent and, and offering that piece up. And look, if you're, if you're struggling with that today, just look in the mirror and say, I'm not Kanye. <laughs> uh, this is a guy who felt pretty good about himself. He still does. And he's $53 million in debt and begging for money on the Internet. So right. I don't know. You're, you're doing better than Kanye. And he looked pretty successful three days ago. Absolutely. There you go. And some really great points there is... Uh, you know, the image of yourself is so important, and um, that's some of the things that, uh, you know, definitely I teach the people that uh, I work with is seeing that image. And, you know, I love Brian Tracy. I grew up with Brian Tracy as well, and, you know, I, 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 I mimic those things. And, yes, I was uncomfortable, but definitely every day now looking in the mirror, I love myself is what I liked myself turning, you know, turned into and loving that part of yourself. And and even though it's uncomfortable in so many ways and, you know, I still have things that I have to work through and and I know we all do. And, you know, Anthony, I'm sure you're still working through things, but, um, you know, the good thing is that you work through them and, and that's the important part is to keep going. And, and even though it can be very uncomfortable and, and you feel vulnerable, uh, I love that part. So, you know, Brian Trace is a big, um, uh, has my vote as well. And, and I love Brian Tracy. Anthony, I'm loving everything I hear from you as well, because you're, you're a comfortable guy to talk to. And I think so many people can get so much from you. And, um, I want to know something uh, that you know maybe uh, you can share from a perspective of when you've hit a wall in your life, and that wall, um, you know, was you know talking about the uncomfortable. Uh, what happened? And what did you do about it? Wow, there's a whole. I mean, I've, I got a list of of difficult situations. I mean, starting with a brain surgery. That's a mm-hmm. that that's a good one. I mean, there's uh, that's a big one. 
there's you know it's an existential threat and you you've got to think through what everything means to you and i mean i i'll tell you the big learning outcome for me uh, through through that experience, I was 25 when that happened. I was living in LA by myself. I was working. I was fronting a, a, a rock band at night, and I came home. And when I I remember going to the neurologist and signing the papers that basically said, "I release you from all liability," you know, and and watching my stoic mom crying, and then watching my dad and my family members deal with the uncertainty of losing someone that they cared about. Right. So at first, you're, you're worried about yourself. But then as soon as you come in contact with the people that love you and see what happens to them when something happens to you, you will have an opportunity to have a perspective shift. So I, I had that opportunity to see this and say, wait a second, this isn't about me. This is about us and these people. And my job is to make sure that these people are okay as we go through this thing together. Mm-hmm. Because the only thing that really matters in, in your life are relationships. And I chose, I made a very conscious decision at 25 to say, I have to find a way to let the pressure off of these people. So I have to go through this with a very different attitude and a very different level of confidence so that they have the confidence to go through this with me because they're hurting far more than I am. And you don't know that feeling of being a parent or a brother or a sister and seeing somebody that you love, you know, going through something like that, you, you don't know what that does to you until you actually have a child and your child's sick mm-hmm. and you would do anything in the world to trade places with them. If they said, you can trade places, but you'll have to die instead of them, you would say, I'll still do it because my love is that great. But it really, the, the shift for me was everything is about relationships. And at the end of your life, what you're going to measure is how you did with relationships. You're, you're not taking your car or your house or your boat or the business that you built or any of that with you. All you're going to take are the experiences and the memories and the relationships that you had with other people. And if you get that, if you can get that and give yourself over to that experience at some point when it happens to you, it changes the way you think about your life because the things that seem really important aren't really important. And the things that we don't invest enough time in, um, and, and I'm guilty of this, uh, family and relationships, that's really all that is important. And I'll, I'll share this with you. I shared it on the blog. I'm using a software program called Airtable right now. Okay. So if, if you go out to the blog and you'll find two two productivity tools on my site. You could search for it. Um, you can get a link to Airtable. And I'm literally tracking everything I do every minute of the day into uh, a relational database that's more like a spreadsheet. It's really easy to type things into. It's got an iPhone app and an iPad app, so it's really easy to keep track of these things. So every hour or two, I go back and I just recreate those hours by capturing it. And I was surprised by two things. One, I don't invest as nearly as much time as I want to in some of the major projects I have. And that's the world chipping away at me with its priorities saying, you've got mail, you know, and you've got somebody on your phone, and you've got a text. And then the second thing is I, I spend four times as much time as I thought I did with my family, and I had no idea how much time I spent with them. So on the, on the, the balance sheet, the asset is I'm spending a lot more time with my family, which is great because that's what my biggest value is. But on the debit side, I'm not spending enough time on projects. So I have to give time up from something. And so you look at that and say, stay where you are with the family, but then make another decision. 
And I think if, if your audience here is entrepreneurial at all, you know what it's like to give yourself over to your business, but mm-hmm. you have to remember why are you doing this in the first place. Right. You know? And then make sure that you get some sort of balance. If you're giving up time now, when do you get that time back and how do you know you're getting it back? So those are the tough questions that you have to wrestle with. For sure, and uh, thank you for that. Um, some really great you know, nuggets there of information about, you know, again, faced with a health issue and, and something that, you know, can literally take your life away and, and how you changed your attitude mm-hmm. you know, to serve others and, and your family being that to make them comfortable that you're okay and, you know, it's shifted. Um, and you talk about time. I mean, we're all given that, you know, um, time, you know, and I hear it all the time. And, and not to use time a lot here, but we're gonna. Um, you know, I don't have time. I, I, you know, and I can't get that done. You know, I think what people are faced with, in my own opinion, is they don't prioritize. To your point, uh, looking at the priorities in your life and and knowing where life is chipping away, as you've mentioned, uh, to the things that you really want to get done that are going to be effective, so that perhaps if you did them. You would then have some time to go and do some other things that are important to you. So I, I'm glad you brought up time, and I'm glad, glad you uh, mentioned you know priorities because um, you know we all have uh, situations where we allow things to happen to us, and and we get dictated on someone else's agenda. So it's very important, and and you know again, this is golden nuggets for everybody listening to you know evaluate. And I love that uh, that you have a a program that can be able to do that. So Airtable, you mentioned, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, definitely going to be looking at that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, nice accountability piece for sure. And, yeah. and looking how your uh, your life is uh, being distributed. Uh, to your point, uh, Alan, take us away. Anthony, I think what you're talking about is fantastic. Um, I think it's key for uh, everybody, regardless of their age and and uh, what they're doing. And I do totally um, understand and can relate to that shift, that time in your life where uh, you at 25 facing a uh you know a life and death situation but all of a sudden looking past that or beyond that or next to that and saying listen how can i make this environment better for the people around me and i've been in that situation i mean i've had um you know four open heart surgeries and i had a cardiac arrest where i was dead for half an hour and and looking at my family uh through those events and it's about being confident and because because you're right the patient is the is the one that's that's uh, taken care of. The patient's the one that's got all the uh, focus and the attention, and the confidence really more, leans more towards the patient. But it's the family uh, that uh, that really needs the uh, the the reassurance and the guidance and the acceptance and the questions answered and so forth. So I think along that note, and we talk a lot about uh, about young parents. On the show, and 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 Chris and I are are, um, are obviously parents, and Chris has got some young kids. Mine are grown and out of the house now, but they've come back to the house. So I don't know what that says, uh, <laughs> but that's a discussion for a different day. Um, love my kids. Don't get me wrong, I love my kids. Um, but uh, with that being said, if you had the, and I'm sure you've had the opportunity, but let's just say you're in an environment where you're in a room with a bunch of new parents. And uh, they're looking at the fact that sales is going to have to be a part of that child's life in some way, shape, or form. They just know that intrinsically. They may not know what it means yet, but they know that intrinsically. 
what kind of advice would you give to that young parent about how to integrate, accept, roll out, mold sales into their psyche, if you will, so that it's something they carry with all aspects of their life as they grow when they start adding value and giving uh, value to the people around them? It's a great question. I have, I have three kids. I've got a son who turns 18 in a week. I've got uh, twin daughters who turn 16 in January. Wow. And um, I, I tell them that the greatest adversity that they face in their life is a lack of adversity. And that's because I had tremendous adversity, and I've made sure that they don't have the same kind of adversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so they're, they're struggling because they're not struggling in my view. So what I would recommend to parents, especially in, in today's day and age where everything is political correctness and you guys are busting chops or what my friends in England would call taking the piss out of each other all the time. <laughs> these, would be, these would be microaggressions on a college campus now, you know, where, where somebody would come and put both of you in counseling, which I'm not suggesting isn't probably a good idea for the both of you just having known you for the short time that I have. But these... The, Here it comes. This, Here it this, comes. Here it goes. It only took what twenty nine minutes. That's awesome. This this sensitivity uh, in in to to ideas that you disagree with. The sensitivity to language that you don't agree with. The sensitivity to art that you don't agree with. I mean, all all of these things are harmful because it it, it leads people to believe that their life is supposed to be about comfort. And life and growth is only about discomfort. It's about what causes you to have to grow and change. So what I've done personally with my children, I'll share just a couple things. Whenever you have small children, they'll run after you uh, crying. I mean, they will come and cry to you to try to get what they want. So whenever they did that as children, I would literally take off running from them as fast as I could and make them give chase. So they would chase me, and then they would start breathing, and then they would start laughing, and they would forget that they had another state before I changed their state on them. I so I would, I would literally make them go through a state change. And if they start crying again, I'm off. I mean, I'm not, I don't hang around people who are just crying for no reason, whether you're two or however old Alan is in this. Uh, Alan, just so you know. Uh, you, you just got to leave. And, and then their state changes. And any time they had a situation with an adult where they would say, Dad, I want you to go talk to this adult on my behalf. I would say, no, I will coach you to go negotiate what you want from that individual because i got to put you in conflict. I've got to put you in conflict in situations where you're not getting what you want, you know what you want, and you have to go convince a grown-up to give it to you. And that's worked remarkably well for me. But it's just the idea of I have to put them in situations that they're not naturally going to get anymore because they're they're coddled. They're coddled more than, than we were, definitely more than I was. And they're, they don't face the same type of adversity, but not facing that adversity is a great threat to them. Sure. So I've tried to make sure that they're inoculated from that threat as much as possible. That's what I would tell young parents. I love perfect, that Perfect, perfect. And I, I think that's fantastic. That <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a fantastic um, approach to it. And Definitely, I wrote down some good things uh, because I do have four kids and, and three of them being you know fairly young, uh, eight, two and a half, and, uh, and 10 months now. So uh, I do the chase thing as well um, because, again, I, I do believe that you need to change their state of mind, especially when they're, uh, they're crying. Uh, 
if it's appropriate, obviously. Now, Anthony, the biggest impact on you and your life from a you know perspective of a person, uh, whether it's life, business, both, or you know uh, a few people, who who was that for you? I'll tell you, that's the easiest question ever for me. It's my mom. I mean, raising four kids by herself. And for the early years, uh, four twenty-five an hour, a draw against commission, petrified of picking up the phone and calling clients, you know. And then it's her business that I help, helped build, her and her uh, business partner, and uh, taking care of her kids and literally putting her her children's needs above her own, which she's done as long as I've known her. Her mom raised five kids by herself. Wow! But but wow. it's it's the character. It's the character of uh, an individual that would do anything necessary to give their family what what she didn't have and what she wanted us to have. And I mean, I have I never remember. Now we were poor. I mean, for sure. And I I I never remember being hungry. I remember eating fish sticks and macaroni and cheese so many times. I can never eat those foods again, <laughs> and, and I, I still won't. That. Yeah. But but I never remembered wanting. And somehow she. She kept me uh, and my brothers and sisters from knowing we were poor. I didn't know we were poor until I was sometime into my 30s. And then I, I went, oh, wait, wow, we were poor, really right. poor. I didn't know. Uh, and I started working when I was 13, so I always had my own money. But I, I just didn't realize. And, you know, as you get age and as you have children of your own, you start to realize what a great influence that person was and how that character affects Every part of my life, and I was a I was not a good kid. Um, she'll still say I was, but there's, I can I can assure you I was not a good kid. But the lessons that she worked really hard to teach me they took a long time to stick, but they did stick. I mean, it, it she she had to be relentless to get them to stick, but they did. That's fantastic. That's the biggest influence on my life, no question. Well, big shout out for mom because uh, you know you raised uh, a great young man and uh, certainly doing some other great things for people out there. So shout out for mom. Uh, character you talk about, and uh, you know in today's world, uh, being single and raising families is uh, almost you know sometimes the norm, uh, yeah. where people go through uh, challenges, and, and I do you know myself. Uh, have gone through that, uh, as well as I know that that has a, a very big economic uh, uh, issue in in most people's life. In fact, because of um, you know the relationships not going the right way, it actually, if you think about it, has caused so much of the imbalance to life because of you know the cost associated with uh, with um, divorcing and, and and splitting up. So, you know. Speaking of that, and, and um, you know, you're raised by a single mom. There are people out there right now, probably listening, and and you know, are in situations uh, where they may be feeling a, a little bit helpless uh, to a point where uh, they use that as an excuse. You know, I'm just I'm raising the family. I just can't do any more. I can't go out and do that. And there's a lot of can'ts. Uh, what would you say to those people right now? You know, it's it's. You have to be careful in that conversation because you don't have somebody else's reality and you don't have their suffering. You have your own and they have their own. But I would tell you, here's what I would recommend. If you can look for role models, if you can look for people who have successfully navigated the same situation you're in and find out what they believe, what did they believe at that time? 
What did they believe their options were? What actions did they believe that they needed to take? And how did they find their way out? I would tell you that the big challenge, in, and I grew up in this environment, so th- this is my view uh, of that, yeah. is you, you don't have a lot of models. You have a lot of people struggling, and they're surrounded by a lot of other people struggling. So you don't see a lot of people who are entrepreneurial, who are getting out of mm-hmm. the neighborhood and, and doing that. So you don't know that that's possible because you're not seeing it enough. So it's really hard, but you have to find that, you know, you have to find it in the community, at the school, at the church, uh, in a networking group like Toastmasters or something, because the limit of what you believe possible is your own self-imposed limit. And it, you can't give that lesson to somebody. They have to discover it for themselves. They have to find out, wait a second, the, the, I've got my foot on the brake here because I didn't see this other thing. But almost invariably, if you go and look for examples, you'll see people and you'll meet people and you'll recognize, like, that person's not better than me. They're not smarter than mm-hmm. me. They're right. not funnier than me. They're not better looking than me. They're just like me. Right. And yet they had the confidence to go into this and then find a way and then they found a way. But it, it's something that you can't want something for somebody that they don't want for themselves. You just have to say, uh, if somebody is listening to this and this is the situation you're in, I would say find some models. Find some models so you can figure out what do they believe and what did they do. Because if it was possible for them, it's possible for you. It's not easy. It probably wasn't easy for them, and it won't be easy for you. But it's possible for you, and you can absolutely find a way. The, the greatest human attribute is resourcefulness. Right. And I, it's, I think, chapter 7 of the book that I wrote. And I, I start that book that chapter off with a picture I found on the internet of a, a wheel in a boot. So it's locked down so the car can't be removed. Um, you've seen those boots, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except the boot is there and the wheel is there, but the car is gone, which is impossible because the boot is blocking the lug nuts from being taken off. So they actually literally took the wheel off of the axle and it's still just sitting there. But how resourceful do you have to be to figure out how to get the car, the car off of the wheel of the instead wheel. of the wheel off of the car? <laughs> Somebody figured that out out of a point of desperation. They couldn't figure out how to pay their parking tickets or anything like that, but they could figure out how to get that car off of a wheel and move the whole car away. <laughs> um, it's, it's shocking what we can come up with. And that's the thing that makes the human beings such a special thing that we are, is that giving a long enough timeline, we solve every problem that we're presented with. We also create a whole bunch more on the way, but we do solve them as we go along. Great. And great way to put it. And thank you for uh, sharing your viewpoint on that. Uh, Again, Alan, um, I know you're uh, ready to go. I see it in your face. (laughs) No, fantastic uh, content. Um, Definitely. Anthony, you've got a way of taking life and giving it visual and uh, making it easy for people to understand. And obviously that's a, that's a gift that you have, and I don't think that's something that everybody's born with. I think that's something we can own, hone, not own, but maybe own as well. Sure. Uh, and, and I know it's something that, uh, that you teach. And, you know, all the entrepreneurs that are, that are listening or want to be entrepreneurs that are listening, uh, listen to what uh, Anthony's talking about because a lot of time uh, – 
answers come from adversity. They come from challenge. They come from not knowing. I think there's a lot of people in our society today that they're in a circle of influence where they're not really put to the test. Either they're working in a job where they're compartmentalized and they know exactly the parameters they have to operate in and they're not set with or shouldered or burdened with the responsibility of having to dig out of that box. And maybe they are or aren't at home, but we've all heard the adage that, uh, you know, we're a combination of the five to six people we hang out with. And, and to your point that you were talking about, you don't necessarily see people climbing out of adversity or moving away from adversity, uh, giving the, the circle of influence that, uh, that they associate with. But along with that, what are you finding? What one thing that you, do you find true that most people would disagree with? Hmm. It's a good it's an interesting one. Question. I'm sort of distracted because Chris sent me a, a private message that you're not one of the five or six people he spends the most time with. He wanted to. Uh, he wanted to make sure I knew that for some reason. Well, I want you to be my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> what do I believe that other people would disagree with? Um, you know, I get, I, get, I get a couple. So I get a lot of challenges when I tell people, find somebody who's succeeding in the area that you want and find out what they believe. Mm-hmm. And, and they say, I, I don't know what you mean by that, or that's hard to do, or I'm not sure how. But you can look and you can see what other people believe, especially today because they write blogs they shoot videos, they write books. You can go out and see what their belief structure is if you look for it. Like, what do I have to believe for that to be true? And, and ultimately, that's what mostly has to change for people. In my experience, the actions don't change until the belief structure changes. Right. And so people will say things like, well, in my work, because I live in sales, like, cold calling is dead, everything should be inbound now. And and it's, it's not dead, number one. Number two, it's probably more useful than ever. And number three, people are really hurting themselves, waiting for opportunities to come to them. And there's a group of people who sell the belief that you don't have to pick up the phone and call people anymore. And the people that believe that get hurt. And so I'm, I'm in a constant argument about the value of social selling and inbound, which I believe has tremendous value for some of us. Right. But not for all of us. It, it's mm-hmm. it's different. If you're a content creator, it's your world. If you're a content consumer, social media is not uh, as useful for you. The tools aren't. But I, I, there's a number of those things. And you know, it's interesting because you ask. I've got a, a blog post half written, and it's only half written because I still have more things. But I keep a running list of things that I used to believe that I don't believe anymore, and and how I changed mm-hmm. that belief and what belief I replaced it with. I used to believe I wanted a really good job. I don't have that belief anymore. I, I don't want a really good job at all. And I, I don't want a, a nice income. I don't want a nice living. Those things change. So if you sit down and think about what do I want, who believes something different, and then go start studying to figure out what they believe, it's a really helpful exercise. And if you sit down and you start making a list, I mean, even if you start with five, and I'll challenge you to even write five things down, Write down five beliefs that you've changed in the last couple of years. It'll be hard for you to do, and you'll realize we get stuck in patterns. We get stuck in habits, and we get deeply entrenched in those beliefs and those habits, and we don't take in new information. We, we walk around with total confirmation bias. We only see the things that support what we believe, and we don't challenge those beliefs. 
And then you hear people talk on podcasts about doing other things and you think, wow, how did they do that? I don't even know how I would do that. And it's perfectly possible for you if you take the same beliefs and you try on those and then you, you take the same actions and you, you stick with them consistently, it's totally possible for you. But uh, it's, it's a worthwhile thing to think about. That's probably the, the, it's not the best answer for you, Alan, in directly saying, you know, uh, what do I believe that other people don't? But I think it's a good starting point for thinking that through. Oh, I think it's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people, they just, well, first off, I think a, a lot of people, and, and please don't get offended, anybody by me saying this, but they don't think. You know, I, I probably spend maybe at best an hour a day really, truly thinking, That's true. consciously thinking about what's going on. And I'm all day in intellectual property, but the real thinking piece, and that's where the magic happens. And the magic could be anything. It could be challenges. It could be opportunities. It could be whatever it ends up being. I was never taught that as a kid. My mom and dad, you know, did great things for me. And, and you know, and, and I was poor, didn't know it. And uh, they always, you know, didn't. I didn't, never had to really want for a whole lot. I saw them do with that a lot. But as I got older, I saw that. But, um, yeah, we don't really have to. And we don't teach our kids really necessarily in schools. We, we don't get that kind of aha moment until we get out into uh, the environment where we're able to actually make a difference. And then we find out maybe we're not quite as qualified or prepared in order to lead people in doing that. And then I think a lot of people revert back into the safety zone and don't do that. And then their friends in their circle of influence find the same thing. And then uh, I love your advice is to find somebody that has been where you want to be, but look past that as to what their beliefs are. How did they lead themselves out of that? And do you resonate with that? And can you follow those kind of steps and then build your own path? So I, th I think it's fantastic. Absolutely. Now, Anthony, you have a podcast. Um, what's, uh, what's the name of your podcast for everybody? In the Arena. I love it. And uh, you've had the unique opportunity of um, definitely interviewing some fantastic authors, speakers, business people, uh, entrepreneurs. Um, what, um, what's sort of the common theme you're finding with uh, the people that you're interviewing that you would say is, um, you know, what, what, what's made them successful? Um, what kind of attitude maybe or, you know, what, what are you finding when you're talking to the, the, the people that you interview? Because you certainly interview some amazing people. I had the opportunity to look back in time. Uh, what, what's common with them? Well, there's a couple things common with them, but it's not going to be very interesting for us, but I'll share it with you anyway. Sure. Um, they're almost all my friends. And so everybody that I've interviewed, uh, with a few exceptions, are people I know well. And they all write books. Mm -hmm. So I do talk to everybody that writes a book about their book. So that's a couple things. I'll tell you, I, I could probably, because the interviews don't go that way, I mean, mostly I talk to them about what they're most passionate about. And so if I were to pick a theme, when you write a book, it's because you have some big idea that you absolutely have to share with the world. Sure. And, and so they all have some idea that they're obsessed enough over to do the work to write a book. So that's one. And the second thing I would say is that all of them um, – have a set of beliefs that serves them in doing what they do. I mean, so if you look at a guy like Bob Berg and you, you ask anybody who knows Bob, they will tell you that Bob absolutely walks the talk. 
I mean, Bob is, what you see is what you get with Bob. Right. I mean, and, and so th that's, they're all really authentic. And if you look at Gerhard Schwantner from Selling Power magazine, Gerhard's one of the most uh, interesting people, intellectual, still learning, teaches mindset, a lot of fun, still a very, very young person, but totally authentic and comfortable with who he is. And I think that's a lot of what I get that passes through the, the podcast. I just started with Tim Sanders um, this last week asking a set of questions about what books are you reading right now, what book had the biggest influence, and you know some, some questions like that to try to start pulling some of the more of that out of there for people sure. to, to get you know what is their success lesson, what was inspirational mm -hmm. for them. Sure. And um, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Uh, I found it um, definitely interesting that you have, uh, well, you have some great friends. That's uh, that's for sure. Uh, out of that, and 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 the fact that they are authentic and and they're real people, and you know what you see is what you get, and 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 I believe that to be true as well. Now that I've met um, a few people that you've uh, definitely uh, interviewed, so thanks for sharing that. Now, Anthony, we could talk all day long. So, uh, would you come back uh, sometime this uh, this year to you know share some of the things, maybe when your book is ready? And I'm a sales guy. I'm, I'll <laughs> beg you to come back on so we can pitch the book at some point. I love it. I love it. Well, you heard it here, Anthony. <laughs> Shamelessly, <laughs> shamelessly pitching. I love it, uh, and and so you should, my friend, because uh, I'm looking forward to uh, the message and and the ideas and the things that you're going to be able to help uh, people. But um, you know, all good things come to an end, and uh, you know the show is coming to that time. Uh, but I know when, um, our our friend Alan, who uh, you know we've been talking about the whole time on text. Uh, you and I, that is Anthony, back and forth and, and making fun of him, has one more question for him and uh, or for you. Alan, um, what do you got? I'm sorry. I'm so old I didn't hear that question. <laughs> I, let me turn my aid up here so I can get it. <laughs> no, I, Anthony, first off, I want to reiterate what Chris said. Thank you so much for, for being on the show and for uh, giving us some of your knowledge, your wisdom, and your transparency, and we really appreciate that. I know the uh, the uh, listeners do too. Definitely. Um, first off, I can't believe that we've been talking for nearly uh, fifty minutes. I I really didn't think it was that long until Chris sent. Yeah, uh, aside from he took a second out from texting you to to text me and let me know that we were at fifty minutes. So just saying. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, that's that's where I fall in the category. No. Uh, all kidding aside, um, we do like to, to ask one uh, question, the kind of the ending question, if you will, of all of our guests. And we, at, we like to find out in, in your eyes, what would be one bold move that you'd like to leave the listeners with? This could be something we've already talked about. Maybe it's something you've covered, an answer you've given, and you want to elaborate. Or it could be something new. But what one bold thing would you like to leave with the listeners? The, the boldest thing that you can do, and this, this is a difficult one for people to, to get their minds around, so I'll try to say this the best way I can, is to sit down and develop the biggest possible vision for yourself that you can imagine. I mean, set a, a, a goal for your life that's so big that it scares you and it scares everybody around you because ultimately that's what you're capable about, uh, that's what you're capable of, and what you'll find is that as you start pursuing that, first you have to have the vision, so you have to just have this great big vision of what you can be. You're allowed to be, even though most of what you take coming in, if you watch TV 
or, or listen or read the internet, you're going to believe that you're supposed to be small and you can't do these things. But you're, you're, you're so much more powerful than you know. But you've got to get that vision. So the boldest move that you can make is adopt that vision and then start taking action towards it every day. And it, it's scary. And if you actually do this work, it will change your life more than anything else. But you're capable of way more. And we need you to go be more and do more and help all of us the way that you were put here to help us to do. Well said. Well said. We're all so capable. We're born with infinite possibility. But our environment says we're not worthy. Fantastic. And I, yeah, I love that. I got, Thank chills you, on, I got chills on that one, most yeah. definitely. Something that scares you. But, you know, before we go, I, I love your tool you left everybody with just prior, and, and I and meant to mm-hmm. comment on it, you know, what you used to believe and now what you believe. Amazing yeah. uh, just perspective, and, and uh, obviously you wrote that in your journal, uh, which, again, everybody, I, I keep talking about it, that journal is a very powerful tool, and uh, people like Anthony and, and others use this in their lives so that they can get that perspective on things that are going on. So great tool. Alan, take us away. Anthony, uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out. You're a genius, my friend. I look forward to your book. We look forward to you coming back on. Uh, we're going to do everything uh, to let everybody out there in, in our world uh, know who you are and uh, to come follow you. Your blog's amazing, um, and uh, obviously the podcast is fantastic uh, with, with the friends and, and uh, influencers in your life. Alan, take us away, and uh, we'll call it a day. Super. Well said, Chris. Yeah, I like the uh, journaling piece. It uh, keeps you accountable and keeps you uh, visually aware of where you came from. And I think that's a nice humbling place to be, and it's always a nice check and balance. For sure. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I learned a lot. I've got five pages of notes that I wrote. I, beat I was you at listening, six. but I was, uh, uh, Chris, we don't care if you're writing any notes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we appreciate you giving time. I know I, as you were walking around, you've got a, a lot of people behind you and in your office that I know are waiting to. to uh, get a hold of you and we appreciate you taking the time um thank you so much for thank uh, you for uh giving us your pieces of wisdom um i think the the uh all of the uh folks listening are, are greatly going to appreciate that and uh, i know they're going to listen uh to your podcast they're going to check you out they're going to get your books we'd love to have you back on and anything we can do to help you promote your products, your service, your mission, what it is that you're doing, any of your philanthropic endeavors, please let us know. We'll be sure to um, to give shouts out and support in any way we can. But thank you so much for being on the show. Chris, Thanks go ahead having. and take us away. Yes, again, thank you uh, to everybody listening. Anthony, you're a fantastic guest and always welcome back. Uh, come to iTunes, give us some ratings, comments. We always like to hear from everybody listening. Uh, to you, Alan, sir, thank you. It's always a pleasure. And it wouldn't be a show without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.